You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. And a somber welcome back to the Mile High Report radio podcast. Um, not a great uh, week three for the Denver Broncos on the road uh, to the Baltimore Ravens. They come away with a 14-27 to loss. Um, disappointment all around, right, Ian? This feels like a 2017 reboot. Like we are now in for a bad sequel. Yeah, kind and of an Broncos uncle. fans may want their money back. Yeah, they uh, they may want their money back from a lot of people. Um, I can think of a few people off the top of my head. Uh, it, let's just start here. It started really well, right? Absolutely. I mean that that three and out that you you saw you, you saw Chubb break free, uh, a Chubb on the loose, a Chubb smacking Flacco. He, we thought that we were going to have a 60-minute chub. I mean, he gets his first full sack of the season. Good for him. Um, and really, was he was sort of tearing things up in that first series, and the Broncos go out and they score two touchdowns in the first quarter. The, the a lot of credit to, to Joe Jones. Sure. Which, I, as I said in my winners-losers, I thought that was going to be an omen for what was to come for the game. And because it, it set up the offense, Royce Freeman gets his first touchdown because he followed butt. He followed a beautiful butt block. It was a it was a nice little butt blast into the end zone, if you will, uh, as he and, followed and him in. Emmanuel Sanders get, gets his rushing touchdown, sure. and the Broncos are rolling. Yeah, no, I, it and was. Then, you know, it was like it was like a dark cloud had descended upon, uh, you know, Baltimore. And then the lightning struck the Broncos. It was so weird. Well, and Ray Lewis was in the building, so maybe he had a hand in the murder of the Broncos on Sunday. Ooh, you plopped that out there. Expected it to perform, and I believe that it did. I believe that it did, because it didn't want to be murdered. it was that the Broncos were wearing their white uniform. It was, uh, you know, it was disappointing we didn't see a squirrel dance from Von Miller. Because uh, he didn't, didn't do anything. We didn't get a chance to because he did nothing. Yeah, he did. Like, I'm looking at the, the, the defensive stats here. Two tackles for Von Miller. Just two. Oh, but he was held throughout the course of the well, day, though. I mean, it's hard to tackle people when you're being, you know, grabbed and clutched and pulled to the ground. And it was it was a difficult day for the refs. I think I don't know that we need to get into it. We, you and I have gone back and forth on this a little bit. Uh, I think it's a, a story in that. The refs had a bad day. I don't think it in any way is um, a, a conspiracy against the Broncos or some sort of like, oh, the, the NFL is jobbing the Broncos. The Ravens always get these calls. I don't think it was that. I think sometimes you just get offici- officiating that's it's just bad. And it was bad both ways. It just was a little bit worse for the Broncos than it was for the Ravens. And you got it. Like you said to me, you have to be able to overcome. And I, and I agree with that. The thing that bothers me about it is the inconsistency because 
you saw the holding calls on Garrett Bowles, mm-hmm. and they were legitimate, blatant, bad holding calls on Garrett Bowles. But the Ravens were doing it to Von Miller too, and it wasn't being called. Right. Yeah. And I, that's what an official has to be is consistent. And both of us played baseball. And those of us who watch baseball know if you're going to call a ball or strike for a pitcher for one team, you damn well better call the same balls and strikes for the pitcher on the opposite team. And it's the same in the NFL. If you're going to call holding penalties on Garrett Bowles, you have to call them on the Ravens for doing it to, to Von Miller. And that's where I have an issue with Ron Torbert and his and his officiating crew was the lack of consistency. It was bad. I mean, and I, I think that's really as as fans, that's all you can ask for is consistency. Call it on both sides, right? Call the calls have to go both ways. But it but they didn't. And if they're not going to go both ways, like you said, you have to be able to overcome. And I think that sort of takes me to my first point. And that is that the guy who was brought in to sort of be able to overcome these issues was Case Keenum, and today he came up small. I think that's the the best way to say it. I think we both tried to give Keenum the benefit of the doubt. Well, yeah, four picks did. through four picks through the first two games, but we're like, okay, he was able to to get past it. And when it mattered, he was able to lead game winning drives to put his team in a position to win, which is all you can ask of a quarterback make mistakes. Okay. But when it matters, you buckle up and you put your team in a position to win. And he did that the first two weeks, but that interception in that moment was a bad interception because he's made bad interceptions. He's thrown, he's made bad decisions had some awful picks, but that one, when you add in the timing of it, you just cannot have it because that's what Case Keenum did. That's what Brock Osweiler did. That's what Paxton Lynch did. That's what we saw the last two years. And Case Keenum was supposed to be the quarterback that was not going to do that. I think you you accidentally did something there, and I'm going to point it out because it's, it's, it's very much – the the big point of the issue here, you said when you meant to say Trevor Simeon, you said Case Keenum, you you said that's what Case Keenum did, that's what Trevor Simeon did, and you put Case Keenum's name in there instead of Trevor Simeon. That says a lot. That says a, a lot about slip. absolutely, and it says a lot about what we think of this quarterback. And we as fans have been doing the convincing dance, right? We, we try and convince ourselves that he's going to be as good as he was in Minnesota. And I don't think for a second that the weapons that he had in Minnesota are that much better than the weapons that he has in Denver. I, th- I think that you could say Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen were better receivers overall. But Emmanuel Sanders is phenomenal. Demarius Thomas was okay today. He didn't have as as bad a drops as he's had in the past. I, I'm, you know, I sort of understand that people are down on him. Cortland Sutton looked good. Royce Freeman ran the ball really well today, and the the big issue on the offense seems to be Case Keenum. I don't like to say that, but that's kind of where we're at. And the other point that needs to be made here is 
what you said to me before we started and it made perfect sense and I want to give you full credit for it, it's about timing. You can throw 12 interceptions in the first half for all I care if you lead a game-winning drive at the end of the game. You know, you go down, score a touchdown, get in a field goal range, whatever it takes, you do what it takes to win and you can do that all the time. And that is what people liked about Tim Tebow, which I know is, is a little bit, it gets annoying to talk about him because he's gone and I'm not worried about that. But that's the idea that you have, right? That you're never out of it. And with Keenum, in the first two games, it was mistakes early, and then he would come back and, and, and sort of rectify those mistakes. In this scenario, it was, just as you said, it was Trevor Simeon-esque. It was a collapse at the end when really he had all kinds of options. In fact, on that interception, he should have run the football. He had a lot of space in front of him. He could have picked up four, five, six yards, slid, kept the offense moving. And instead, he tried to force something, made a bad throw in the wet, which maybe he can't throw when it's wet, but I didn't see Joe Flacco struggling like he was. So I'm a little nervous, to say the least, about everything moving forward. The other thing that reared its ugly head was the offensive line seemed to go back to what it was in 2017 as well. Not just the quarterback play, but so did the offensive line. Garrett Bowles needed to walk out of the Ravens stadium on Sunday with an owned sticker owned by Terrell Suggs because he was awful on Sunday. Ronald Leary, some bad penalties, stupid penalties. I actually thought, um, Garrett Bowles should have introduced Terrell Suggs to his grandchildren after the game. I think that would have been nice to do because Suggs was certainly his daddy by the end of it. I mean, it, it, that's not a good sign because one thing that I that I kept giving saying that gave me hope about Case Keenum was the continued play of the offensive line and it wasn't good on Sunday. It was not good against the Ravens. Nobody, nobody could see my I did the head shake thing like everybody could see that. No one could see that, but yeah, no, it was it was bad. You know, and the other thing I'm sitting here and I'm list, sort of listening to us as we talk about things and there's a there's a there's a there's a slight overreaction in 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 our voices here in that this is just one game and they did come out fast the defense played really well to start they got those two touchdowns in the first quarter it looked like they were going to run away with this game and then things sort of fell apart you you know and it, it was kind of like things snowballed on them as things started to happen it got worse and worse and worse and they could never recover. They could never bring things back to that point of feeling like they were back in the game. Even when they had gone down and and um, you know gotten close to scoring or gotten close to uh, getting into field goal range, things like that, they would always have an issue where there would be a penalty because there were a ton of penalties that would back them up, or you know there there would be a bad play call where they would just you know somebody would. It, it, it would just it, everything snowballed on them and ended up resulting in three quarters of scoreless football for the Broncos and and a big win for the Ravens. And that goes back to what I think is the biggest issue with this team right now is because it is just one game, but when it's the same team from the last two years, the only difference is the head is the head coach for one of those seasons and then the quarterback it's it isn't just one game it, it i mean as i've been asking and i asked in my winners and losers 
here we go again. Because to me, I, I think the biggest thing that we saw was the difference in coaching. Because both teams had to deal with that same officiating. They had to deal – the Ravens had to deal with a bad start, with a block punt that led to an, a, an early touchdown. But the Ravens never lost that confidence because John Harbaugh never lost that confidence. And there are a few aspects in which a head coach has a direct impact on the game, and that's clock management. Tied to that is the use of, of replay. Joseph was atrocious on both on Sunday. Just awful. <laughs> and then the other area of a team that, I, that connects to coaching is penalties, preparedness, and situational football. And what makes all those worse or hilarious, however you look at it, is Joseph apparently has football 101 with his team each week. Well, the Broncos finished with 13 penalties, seemed confused and lost most of the game, and the play calling on both sides of the ball was, you guessed it, awful. Speaking of a 2017 redo, Joseph showed he was out of his element again. You have to be able to rise to the occasion. When you go against a coach and a coaching staff like John Harbaugh and the Ravens coaching staff, you have to rise to the occasion. And Vance Joseph and his staff didn't. That's, I mean, there it is right there. And, and it really is a frustrating thing to sort of sit back and watch and, and realize that we may just be seeing the beginning of reliving last season. And the worst part about it is uh, it's starting a little bit earlier than it did last year. Uh and that that should make you nervous. The other the other big scary issue that we're running into, because there's no way I could ever say anything as eloquently as you just did about the coaching situation, is that the no fly zone is it has flies all over it. It's it's terrible. You called it in Slack the frequent flyer zone, and it absolutely is. I mean, Chris Harris Jr. is essentially out there by himself right now, and, and he didn't exactly play well on Sunday either. Exactly, and he struggled mightily. I, Joe Flacco was 25 of 40 for 277 yards and a touchdown. Joe Flacco is not a good quarterback in the NFL. I, I'm I'm perfectly fine with stating that he is not an elite quarterback. He looked pretty good against this bad Broncos team. Well, as I said in my winners and losers, airlines wish they could give out miles like the frequent flyer zone has been giving out through three games. It's 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 rough. It's 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 sort of as you watch it, it feels like something that we have held up as this sort of really great thing that Denver has. You know, the Orange Crush is something that has lasted forever. And the Orange Rush is a, a nice play on that. The no fly zone was another one of those cool things that we could sort of lean on as fans and go, yeah, but we have the no-fly zone. We don't have that anymore. And it was it was horribly apparent. I mean, if you look at these stats, John Brown, five, five for 86 yards. Uh, Michael Crabtree had seven catches for 61 yards. Willie Sneed, the fourth, had three catches for 39 yards. It, it, was, it was bad, 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 bad bad it was bad did i mention it was other, bad and the other reason why i don't think it's 
an overreaction or hyperbole, the way we're reacting and thinking and and what we're saying about this performance is because of what's looming for this football team. And if you don't know the schedule, what's looming for this team is Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday night. If you didn't just wet yourself, then you're clearly not a fan. I peed a little. It's just the truth, okay? It just is. I mean, I I don't want to get into a, a preview of the game because we're going to talk about that later this week. But watching this game against the Ravens, the way that they collapsed, the way that they fell apart, the way that they couldn't handle the adversity that was thrown at them by not only the the Ravens' defense, but the Ravens' offense and the referees and the and the and the, the weather and there was everything sort of the stars aligned to go against the Broncos and they couldn't overcome some of those issues that's that's not a good omen that is that is like something that that is going to happen to them tenfold against Kansas City if you look at that offense and so this game is a really good indicator to me of all of the issues that this team faces so being 2 and 0 heading into the game against the Ravens felt great it was wonderful to have a couple of comeback wins no, no, this was this was your down-to-earth moment, okay? You had a nice couple of weeks, Broncos country, but this right here was a moment that should have brought you back down to, to earth. We are no longer flying high. Uh, we, are, we are grounded, so to speak, and it's going to get worse before it gets better. I mean, it's always said about the NFL and basically any team in sports, but particularly the NFL, you get your first great indication of what a team will look like for the rest of the season, that first road game. And after Sunday's showing against the Baltimore Ravens, fans of the Denver Broncos might not want to see anymore. After a 2-0 start last season, this feels like a terrible sequel, as I mentioned at the at, at the top of the podcast. And as we've said, it's not a surprise that the Broncos lost this game but the manner in which they did so may have fans feeling some PTSD from what they endured a year ago because it, it it felt like the same stuff. The quarterback has changed. The head coach has not. But we're still getting the same bad quarterback play at the worst possible time. The team doesn't seem prepared. He hasn't gotten it figured out in terms of clock management or situational football. The play calling hasn't gotten better on either side of the ball. I mean, think about that that last drive where the Broncos are, are going down the field after the interception. They're moving the ball down, and they proceed to run the ball two straight times. For, that, for whatever reason, right? Activity. Yeah. You can't, you can't be running there. You have to be passing. It, it's it's not good when you and I know more about the game than the head coach. And that's not to say that Vance Joseph couldn't come and sit down and, and talk to us during the podcast and, and speak intelligently about the game of football and sound like he know sound like he knows what he's doing. But the fact is what he does during the games proves he's got no clue. He's lost. And 
that is an that is an issue that when you look at when you go back in time and you look at what John Elway was doing during the hiring process after Gary Kubiak moved on, right? Gary Kubiak left, okay? They had some opportunities. They could have they could have hired Kyle Shanahan. But because of old grudges and and issues and I guess a, a restaurant feud, I don't know, they went with Vance Joseph. Because Vance Joseph was going to do whatever John Elway told him to do. The problem is John Elway is not on the field telling Vance Joseph what to do. And so he doesn't know what to do on the field during the game. And that's when it matters. That's when it's important. And it didn't take long for me to lose complete confidence in the head coach of this football team. And if they fired him tomorrow, I'd be okay with it. It's what they should have done after last season. It's, it's, it's the boat I've been in since last season. After that Chiefs game, I said they needed to move on. They didn't. Well, it, it hasn't gotten better. It has not gotten better. And if if the knock is, well, he had a terrible quarterback, people are going to start saying that again, right? That's going to be the excuse are, again. Well, he's got a terrible quarterback. They're, they're saying that now. And, and maybe he does. People already calling for Chad Kelly. Well, let's not let's not go that direction. Here, here's what I will say to that: if if that's really what what people want, then what they're asking for is is a two and fourteen season. We've got our two wins. Let's bring in Chad Kelly and go ahead and scrap the season and get the highest draft pick possible and and keep rebuilding. And we'll fire Vance Joseph and we'll just compl- we'll just start everything over. And if that's what fans want then get ready to endure two or three more years of bad football while this team gets rebuilt. Because that's what you would have to do at this point. I'm 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 all for firing Vance Joseph yesterday. But moving on from Case Keenum at this point is giving up on this season and next season. And and maybe that's what they need to do. I know Pete thinks so. And I don't know what the answer is. Because if I had the answers, Vance Joseph would have been fired after the Kansas City Chiefs game to end the 2017 season. And I, there might be a couple of games that they're able to pull out. I mean, this is only the third week of the season. They still are 2-1-1. and one. But when it's the same stuff, when they're doing the same things, when they when the same incompetence is there on the sideline and the same mistakes are happening on the field. Twelve men on the field yeah. at the at the end of the game. I almost forgot offense. about that. Are are you kidding me? Twelve men in a huddle? We don't know how to get guys into a huddle? Case Keenum doesn't know he needs to stand outside the huddle and wait until the personnel is figured out. That that's that's the point. These, these little things that are drive killers, these, these, these small issues that then become larger issues, right? It's little. That's minute. Well, it's just, a, it's, a, it's just one penalty. But it constantly it continues to happen and continues to happen and continues to happen, and it snowballs. And then what ends up happening is you lose a game that you should have won. When you came out and threw 14 up like that, like with no problem, 14 points, and it was, what, 10 minutes into the game, 14 to nothing, we're rolling. And then you go and lose the game because of those little things that continue to build up and build up and build up and build up until pretty soon, instead of a tiny little snowball, you've got a gigantic snow boulder that's running you over. 
Or an avalanche. Sure, if you will. But I, we're not allowed to talk about Colorado sports teams because we make them lose. Well, they haven't started the season yet. Oh. They're still in the preseason. Well, I wish they would start because then maybe we could watch some winning because this this is, this is was terrible. <laughs> this I'm sorry. It was just awful. It was just awful. So frustrating. And it, the thing is, is that it, it, it doesn't feel like it's going to get better next week. I mean, I know they're going to be at home. I get that, but. That's not going to matter. It won't matter. What year was it that they lost to the Chiefs at home by a thousand points? What, what year was that? Because I think that's what we're going to be reliving. I would, I, I would not be surprised to see Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs drop fifty on the Broncos. With the way the the frequent flyer zone is playing right now, that's what I said to you before before we started recording. I said I bet they drop a fifty burger on them. I, I just, I think Mahomes. I don't. I don't even want to put it out there. I think that the Chiefs have found their guy for the next few years. He looks really good, and as bad as their defense is, won't matter. The, look, the, the Ravens' defense isn't wasn't that great. They were missing guys. They were they weren't as as they weren't healthy, and the Broncos struggled against them. I think the Chiefs are gonna. Uh, this is not gonna be a fun preview podcast on Tuesday. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> What are some uh, some other takeaways from this weekend's games? Uh, well, from this weekend, if, I mean, I think starting with Kansas City for sure, you just look at them and you go, "Wow, that is an incredible offense." Uh, and, and as as fans, we've had the opportunity to see very good offenses, but that is an incredible offense. And then on the flip side of that, you want to talk about a bad offense? The Jacksonville Jaguars lost at home nine to six in a in a baseball game that broke out against Tennessee. So. You know, I don't, I'm not I'm not sure where you go with that, but there there are some offenses that are amazing, off the wall, incredible good. Kansas City being one of them, and and then there's Jacksonville and Tennessee that don't actually play football. So, and how about the Raiders? Oh, uh, knock knock. Who's there? Owen. Owen who? Owen three Raiders. Oh, it always feels good. Always feels good. I haven't been able to check it, but we might have to look and see if if John Gruden was saying something about not having any pass rushers this week. Oh, I guarantee he mentioned it. He just, you know, he, he just doesn't know where to find them. I think that's the biggest problem for him. Uh, so that you do have the, you know, sort of the opposite end of the spectrum. You have the 0-3 Raiders and the 3-0 Chiefs, and um, I'm kind of as we're recording here, it looks like the the Chargers of Los Angeles are losing to the. Rams of Los Angeles uh, in the fourth quarter. I, I would venture a guess that they're probably going to lose that game. The Rams are going to win that. Chargers are another one. Pretty good offense, bad defense. I, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with them. I just think that it's still so much up in the air, right? Week three, there's so much up in the air. We have no idea what's going to happen that as we continue to watch, anything could happen. And that's evident by the fact that the Minnesota Vikings – the Minnesota Vikings got blown out by Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills 27-6 to in Minneapolis. Not Wisconsin like the Bills thought because they didn't know, they can't read a map or don't know where things are, but they did, they did go to Minneapolis and blow out the Vikings who are supposed to be very, very good. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the reason the Bills performed so well is because they didn't realize they were in Minnesota 
they were not, they were just so lost that they forgot that they were bad at football and they went and played really good football. They need to do that more often. Maybe the Broncos should try the same thing on Monday against the Chiefs. Yes, because that might be the only thing that gets them a victory this week. So, all right. Anything else we need to bang our heads against the wall about? No, because we'll just end up banging our heads against it on Tuesday and then next on Monday, next Monday. That's right. So, a uh, special uh, a special late night edition, I suppose, of the post game review. Uh, and in the meantime, we are we're on to Kansas City, you guys. Do we have to? Yeah. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.